I'm Mary. I'm Nolan. I'm Lakita Ann. We are your hosts, and this is Your World, Your Money. We will be talking real money with real people in a real way. Because everyone deserves the opportunity and tools for freedom, financial or otherwise. Your World, Your Money is brought to you by Hangar Studios, a New York City-based recording studio, and Global Thinking Foundation, a global nonprofit working toward financial freedom and equality for all. Hi there, happy money people, and welcome back to Your World, Your Money. I know we said we were wrapping up our entrepreneurship series last week, but guess what? We're bringing you one final episode with our lovely co-host, Lakita Ann. We love her. She's back. And our new guest host for the season, Lauren Stockman-Brown, who will be joining us for more conversations later in the season. What's up, everybody? Yes, Mary, I am super (laughs) excited for this episode because, of course, I love all things entrepreneurship and money, so I am ready for today. You just make my heart sing. I can't help it. (laughs) Thank you. I miss you. I can hop in. My name is Lauren Stockman-Brown. I'm so excited to be here. I'm an assistant program manager at GLT, and I'm excited to Honestly, just learn something new throughout this episode, some new vocabulary. I can't wait to dive in. Oh, I can't wait. This is going to be so fun. So today, we want to come back together at the end of this mini-series and revisit some topics that you heard from our entrepreneur guests that you may or not be familiar with. We're going to break some of them down, and we're going to chat about the realistic trends, numbers, and truths in the world of entrepreneurship and startups. Because, you know, we really do actually get it. It's extremely tough, especially when you're just starting up to understand all those words and and keeping in mind the perspective around those crazy investment numbers or valuation numbers that you sometimes hear in the news. Let's talk some truth about the startup and entrepreneurship world and look at how people are getting funding and how they are getting started. Small businesses make up 99.9% of all U.S. businesses, and millennials and Gen Zs are 188% more likely to have current goals of starting their own business than baby boomers. 30% of small enterprises fail in the first two years, and 50% fail in the first five years. Over 600,000 small businesses open every year in the United States, with currently about 30 million small businesses in the U.S., Now remember, small business is a broad term and applies to a lot of people and a lot of businesses. Literally just requiring that the small business employ less than 500 people, but more than 95% of these 30 million will employ less than 100 employees. Wow, that's a lot. In 2019, women of color owned 47% of all women-owned businesses. Latinx women owned 17% of women-owned businesses, and minorities owned 45% of small businesses. That actually sounds pretty cool. And also, thank you so much for sharing all of those numbers. That's a lot. Like, when you think about it, that's so many businesses. And I personally appreciate the perspective that almost all of these small businesses will have less than 100 employees. Like, think about what you hear in the news. In the news, I only ever hear about, like, the big tech companies that have, like, I don't know, 5,000 employees and two Google complexes and somewhere in California that has apparently its own zip code. So I appreciate that personally. That's actually super true. You also hear about, or the small businesses who are like, we got $100 million in startup funding. And I'm like, (laughs) "Uh, hello, that's not like most small businesses. 
Yeah, right? A hundred million. Yep. Oh my gosh. So that's actually a great segue for me. Thank you so much. Always. You just come with the best segues. So when we think about these small businesses all put together, we have to think about, you know, where their funding comes from. And of course, finances was what we talk about here. So if we go back to 2013, 19.4 million small businesses were sole proprietorships. And that means the person that founded it is the sole owner. And 1.6 million were partnerships. That means multiple owners, usually with some kind of equal contribution to the business. And 1.4 million were corporations. Think board of directors and legally separate from the owner. And this is where you hear phrases like S-Corp and C-Corp. And these are just really two options providing different benefits to the stakeholders. Stakeholders probably meaning investors. So when we hear things like this, what are the actual main types of funding? So the big ones are traditional loans, SBA loans, that stands for Small Business Administration Loans, business credit cards, short-term loans, grants, and crowdfunding. And just to kind of keep some perspective as we jump into this and talk about more of these terms and how all of this works, the average SBA loan is $417 thousand dollars and the average SBA microloan is only thirteen thousand dollars. So when you hear people talking about those hundred million dollar loans that they're getting for that tech company, keep in mind most of these are gonna be four hundred and seventeen thousand or thirteen thousand. And in 2018, banks approved 26.9% of small business loan applications. So when you're thinking about all of those that we just listed, the traditional SBA business credit card short-term loans, keep in mind that only about 30% of those actually get approved by a bank. So one thing that we hear all the time, and I am sure Anna and Lauren and I are going to have fun with this one when it comes to venture capital funding, VC funding, We hear about that in the news a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. We even have an episode just on that. But here's our friendly disclaimer for today. VCs only fund about 300 new startups each year, and that's literally 0.05% of all new businesses in the United States. 0.05%. Now, we love you if you're ready and think that you're one of those 0.05%, but also for everybody else out there, remember there's other funding types. There's other ways to go about this. So, Anne, my first question for you. So let's start with something we've heard from many of our guests, crowdfunding for your business when starting up. As crowdfunding is getting more and more popularity as a way for founders to fund their businesses without having to have an investor, It can also be an intimidating and vulnerable process for people without resources or a larger network. What does crowdfunding usually look like for startup entrepreneurs? Great question, Lauren. And I happen to love discussing this topic. First of all, (laughs) there are two overarching types of funding for a startup entrepreneur. So we have debt financing and equity financing. Most of what we'll talk about after this will fall into one of these two categories. So let's start with debt financing, which is usually some type of loan. So think of it this way. You're taking out new debt in order to have funds for your new business. And then we have equity financing, which is usually some type of investment in exchange for either reward or equity, which is some sort of ownership into your business. And this is like the old school barter system, receiving funds without creating debt, 
but you have to give something in exchange, right? So you can come up with some cool prize or something if you don't necessarily want to give up ownership into your company. But within crowdfunding, you can do equity crowdfunding, rewards crowdfunding, debt crowdfunding, and donor crowdfunding. I know, folks, that's a lot of crowdfunding, right? <laughs> but the good news is you can get funding, right? Woohoo! So with the equity crowdfunding, it's a way to raise capital to start or grow your business. So investors invest money in a business in exchange for equity, typically in the form of shares in the company. So an investor receives ownership in the company, and in return, the company receives the capital it needs to launch or expand. And then we have rewards-based crowdfunding. I've seen a lot of these people actually on Shark Tank. They're like, well, we did a Indiegogo or whatever, <laughs> and then they got, they got money, right? But this rewards-based or seed crowdfunding is a type of small business financing in which entrepreneurs solicit financial donations from individuals in return for a product or service. And there are about 19 times as many rewards campaigns as there are for its closely related counterpart, equity-based crowdfunding. And this is kind of cool because then you get a chance to get people involved in your, in your business and seeing your success, right? Who wouldn't ordinarily be able to invest thousands of dollars, which I think is kind of cool. I have to say, as soon as you said this barter system and rewards-based crowdfunding, the first thing I saw was like you walking over was like, okay, so I'll have a thousand dollars for my company. Here are some eggs. They're really, really delicious. Here, this is the reward. And just like barter system in my brain immediately took That's that track. That's actually true. I probably would invest in someone for sushi or mac and cheese. Oh, yes. Sushi? Yes. Oh <laughs> yeah. <gosh>. Sushi or <laughs> mac and cheese. So if anyone is looking for investment and you have really good mac and cheese or really good sushi, Hit me up. I'm on board with this. Yeah. I'm with Lakita Ann. We're going to do this for sushi. I don't know about the mac and cheese. <laughs> it might kill me. I'm gluten-free and <laughs> vegan. But like the sushi, I'm here for it. So if you want to murder me, come to me with the mac and cheese. But if you want both of us, it's the sushi. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> We're like the sharks, right? <gasps> oh, we are. So Form C, what is it? It sounds simple, Form C, but how does it function differently? And what should you know about it? Ooh, I want to answer this one. Cool. Thank you so much for taking that for me. Yeah, I've been I've been just dying to answer <laughs> this about Form C. So Form C is a regulation and a declaration form, an offering statement, so to speak, that has to be filed with the government under Title Three of the Jumpstart Our Business and Startups Act, the Jobs Act of 2012 Securities Action Section 4A6. Yes, folks, did you get all of that? If you didn't, it's okay. It's all right. We'll take notes for you. <laughs> Memorize it, folks. You need to know it. No, I'm just kidding. And this form states, hey, government, I'm raising money through crowdfunding. And so I don't have to register my business's securities with the SEC. So do all of you know what the SEC is? I'm going to tell you. It's the Securities and Exchange Commission. And this form is also a declaration to the government stating how much you crowdfunded your main contributors because they are under regulation too, and proving that you did not crowdfund over the maximum amount allowed, which was previously 1.7 million, right? Or 1,070,000. Get it straight, girl. Okay. But now change to 5 million in certain circumstances. Wait a minute. That's a big jump, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like 1.7, but that's huge, though. That's huge. 
that's pretty cool for all of you though, right? Like now yeah. you can do 5 million. So they're they're on your side, folks. They want you to, yeah. to get that money to launch your business. And to plug one of our guests from one of our other episodes, because in case you haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to it. We had one of the heads of Backstage Capital on here. And Backstage Capital is actually the first organization to crowdfund the full 5 million new maximum. So like, in case you were wondering, we had one of those cool record-setting people on here. That's actually Ooh. really, really cool. Wow, I was not on that episode. That's super cool. I know, we missed you. I was crying. I know, that's actually so, so cool. (laughs) So I'll bring us to our next question. Um, Mary, for the early entrepreneurs that decide to seek funding and capital, what should they know about all the different options before choosing a route for their businesses? I really love this question, and I'm really going to hone in on venture capital and something else that we'll hear in the episodes with some of our guests called Cap Table. And I'm going to focus on venture capital, like I said, because it's such this tiny sliver of the entrepreneurship conversation, but think about how much it occupies the news and how much you hear it. So I'm going to give a little bit more on venture capital just because I want to kind of bring us to a place where we feel like we have perspective no matter what we're hearing in the news or what our friends are talking about. So venture capital, you've heard me say it like what, 15,000 times by now, is a form of private equity and a type of financing that investors provide to startup companies and small businesses that are believed to have long-term growth potential. Venture capital generally comes from well-off investors, investment banks, and any other financial institutions. So What you're going to hear when you hear people talk about venture capital or when you hear on the news, these are some of the things that you'll actually hear. So first, you'll hear seed financing. And seed financing is kind of like the ideation stage. So let's say you have a business plan, you wrote it all down on paper, and you want to seek VC funding. You're going to seek it while it's still in that ideation phase. So when you hear that in the news, that's what that is. Then you have startup financing. Startup financing is when you have a prototype and let's say you're hiring that chief product officer or your chief technical officer. That's when you want to seek venture capital and it's called startup financing. That's the stage. The next stage is super easy. I don't even have to try. First stage financing. Woohoo! Who would have thought? So (laughs) first stage financing is when your product has launched and it's kind of proven that people actually kind of want this. Next stage, also super easy. Second stage financing is when you're about three years in and your product's just killing it. Like your product, everybody loves it. You've proven that it's great, doing awesome in the market. And you're going to come back to your VC and you're going to say, hey, I'm here for second stage financing. The last stage that you'll hear about in the news is called mezzanine or bridge financing. And that is the end of the VC's time with you. That's when you're finally breaking up, but like it's amicable. It's not a divorce. Don't worry. So you're breaking up with your VC in friendly terms. You're keeping each other's phone numbers and you're about to take your company public or maybe you're selling to another company. That's when you're going to hear these phrases, mezzanine financing or bridge financing or bridge funding. That's what that is. So I feel pretty equipped now to listen to CNN and, you know, like TechCrunch and stuff. So I'm feeling better about this. (laughs) So one thing that I want to highlight when you're hearing all of this on the news is that you can seek VC funding 
if you think it's right for you at any stage. So that's why I wanted to talk about those different stages and what they mean when you hear them is because let's say you want to be that 0.05% and you already have your product and it's already on the market, but you're like, you know what? My product is awesome. You can seek VC funding at any stage. So jump in there in that first stage financing or second stage financing, but not the mezzanine financing. That bridge financing is for the breakup. We don't want that. That comes later. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about with VC is a phrase that you'll hear one of our guests reference and also something you'll hear sometimes in that crowd, quote unquote, it's called cap table. Cap table is a capitalization table. For people that love spreadsheets, this is for you. So a capitalization table is a table providing an analysis of a company's percentages of ownership, equity dilution, That's a whole other thing. But remember when Anne was talking about equity, it's really about ownership. And dilution, we know what dilution means. If you don't go and get a glass of grape juice and then put a drop of water and see what happens versus putting a drop of grape juice into a glass of water. And value of equity in each round of investment by founders, investors, and other owners. So what all of that is to say is it's literally a spreadsheet saying, here are all of the owners, how much they own and what type of ownership they have. So again, spreadsheet people, this is for you. We love you. This is for you. Hmm. Okay, so IPO. I feel like IPO, this is the one word I think on this document that I feel like I've seen in my common life. Initial public offering. Mary, what does it mean, IPO? Wait, Lord, where have you seen this in your real life? I'm so oh, curious. Do you that. listen to TechCrunch too? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that the okay, one this is when Lauren life? comes back and she's like, I listen to TechCrunch every morning. I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, <laughs> so I do actually listen to TechCrunch every morning. It might be bad for my you know, social health. But yes, I would love to tell you what IPO, initial public offering, stands for. Well, means. So an initial public offering refers to the process of offering shares of a private corporation to the public and a new stock issuance. And so if you don't know anything about this new stock issuance or about the stock market, don't worry. We have a new investors miniseries coming right after this. So buckle up for all of that. But coming back to a new stock issuance. So Public share issuance allows a company to raise capital from public investors. So remember, before we were talking about VC funding, which is all private. So this is the place. All right, so we're in the bridge funding stage, mezzanine funding. We're breaking up with our VC, but amicable. We're keeping each other's numbers still there. And so we're breaking up with them, and now we're moving into the public sphere. So public share issuance allows a company to raise capital from public investors. That could literally be me, you, Lauren, Lakita Ann, all the other people on here that you can't see. So that could be anybody. The transition from a private to a public company can be an important time for private investors to fully realize gains from their investment, as it typically includes share premiums for current private investors. So many things in there to explain, but hang on, we've got one one more thing to say and we'll come back. Meanwhile, it also allows public investors to participate in the offering. So that means a person in the regular public could participate in buying shares or part of a company that they want to support. But going back to what we said a second ago, with this whole private investors to fully realize gains, that literally means that private investors are going to get an idea of how much of a profit that they're going to get from their original investment. 
And remember when we were saying share premiums for current private investors? That really just comes back to how much is each individual share piece of the company going to be listed at? And what is its premium going to be? So that's kind of breaking that down. Because that, come on, that was kind of a tough sentence. I read it and I was like, mm, that's a little <laughs> uncomfortable to read. So that's what an IPO is an initial public offering. I know there was a lot on here about venture capital, but in our entrepreneurship series, there was a whole lot of conversation around venture capital, and we just wanted to break a lot of it down and kind of give some realities behind this. Because we hear it so much, right? But I don't feel like we get to talk about all the realities of it. So thank you so much for joining us today. Next week, we will be entering our new investor mini-series, and we are so excited to dive into the truth and logistics about investing. We will kick the miniseries off with an Investing 101 episode with Erin Lowry, known as Broke Millennial. Broke Millennial, that's so cool. She has something good to tell you, folks. You don't want to miss it. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. Just that title, she's going to be dishing all the goods, right? So join us for that. She's Stella. And if I can just tell everybody, you'll be laughing so hard. I literally had to put my mic on mute for over half of that episode. She's Stella. So the last thing we want to leave with you all is don't forget to check out our Calling All Voices on our website. I know we mention it every time, but it's pretty important and it's pretty cool. It's our open call for papers submitted by you and celebrated by us. We want to hear all voices, opinions, walks of life, and unique views on gender, sexuality, identity, and finances from the whole lot of you. Our top picks will be published and the winner will be on our podcast, chatting with these amazing people. Who doesn't want to do that? What's wrong with you? Exactly. Right? Don't forget to check out our podcast webpage for a one-pager with key takeaways, lists of sources, and references for further reading and preparation for your startup and new business goals. Thank you guys for having me, answering all my questions, and thank you listeners for tuning in. You've been listening in with Your World, Your Money. You can find us at ywympodcast.com and stay updated on Instagram at Global Thinking Foundation USA. Be sure to rate and review us and you can reach us with questions or thoughts at hi at ywympodcast.com. Our thanks again to Hangar Studios and Global Thinking Foundation. Thanks, friends. Happy money making. We'll see you next time.